You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Uh, Thank you, worship team. It's awesome when we can play a little more quiet because it allows us to hear all of our voices. It's so beautiful listening to all of you uh, worship. So thank you, worship team. uh, And thank you, church family, for being a part of worship. Um, So Pastor Jason is not here, which he really wanted to be here today. Thank you. My wife is always looking at my pockets for some reason. She's always looking at my pockets. (laughs) Um, So anyway... Uh, Pastor Jason's not here. He really, really wanted to be here today uh, because he's been gone quite a bit. He left with the Grease team, and then he came back and was here for maybe one or two weeks, and now he had to leave again because of a family emergency, and that's all I'm going to share at the time. Uh, Just keep Pastor Jason in prayer as he's visiting his family, Uh, and again, uh, have some grace because he hasn't been here a lot this month, but it's been due to, one, the mission trip, uh, or the trip, uh, the Greece trip, and two, uh, the fact that he had to go and be with his family right now. So really keep him in prayer, because right now life seems very chaotic, is very chaotic for him. Um, And so I'm stepping in uh, to uh, preach today. He was going to start a new sermon series today, and so we asked for your grace in that as well, because he had been announcing that we were going to start a new series. Uh, So... uh, Please be patient. We'll be kicking that off soon. Uh, Today, I want to share a little bit about what's been on my heart as I've been uh, wrestling with God some issues in my own life. And so if I had to put a title to today's uh, sermon, it would be Foundational Living. Foundational Living. Um, What is my life built on? What is my life founded upon? And how does it show and how should I mold the pattern of my living? And so we're going to turn. <laughs> today's been a crazy day. Let me just share a little bit. Let me just vent because today's been a super crazy day. My sermon just got erased, which is why I stepped out. <laughs> and, and I had to kind of recover a few of the notes that I had set James. And, and a lot of the notes that don't show up on James' side, I just lost completely. And on, on my way over here, I was drinking coffee. And it was like... T- 10-10. I was like, I got perfect time. We're, we're leaving early to church. This is great. We're Puerto Rican, but we're on time. <laughs> it's just so great. And then my coffee, um, which for some reason, the, 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 the flask, the mug, the lid, has this rubber band that keeps the, 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 the lid attached to the, to the flask. And so the, I, I've never, when washing this mug, removed the rubber band. I'm like, that's kind of gross. Let me remove that. And so it was kind of loose. So Coffee drops on me completely as we're driving over here. And Katya, all she hears is, <gasps> you know, it just, it's been a rough morning. And God forgive me for that. But it just got me thinking, like, maybe this is all happening because it's supposed to be part of the sermon. Uh, you know, how I've built my life. What have I built into my life that that's my first reaction when the hot coffee spills on me? You know, like, it was like that, you know. I'm just being real, y'all, okay? It was, it was bad. Um, so it's made me look inward. It's like, that's my reaction. And then, like, 
why is it that I didn't have the sermon notes backed up? Like, how am I living? How am I living? Um, just being real, y'all. This is, this, this is where church family gets to be real, okay? Uh, we're going to read from Luke 6, verses 46 through 49. Thank you for allowing me to be me, because now I'm a little more relaxed, you know? Oh, it's been crazy. Yeah. It is my birthday today, by the way, <laughs> out of all the weird things. Uh, my cell phone died yesterday. I don't have a cell phone. My family's trying to get a hold of me. They're like, why is Ricardo being so douchey, not answering text messages? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Foundational living. Luke 6, verses 46 through 49. Jesus is ending his Sermon on the Mount, okay? He's ending the Sermon on the Mount. So he's trying to bring everything together and make a big final point here, you know? Um, he's trying to summarize how we should respond to all these amazing points that he's made on the Sermon of the Mount, which, by the way, is an upside-down kingdom. That's kind of what he's been talking about. You know, he's been talking about loving your enemies in the Sermon on the Mount. He's been talking about not judging or condemning others. So he's kind of throwing a lot of things uh, out the window that, for them, were very, very part of their daily religious lives. He's talking about being a good tree that has good fruit. He's talking about not being angry with your brother or sister. He's talking about sexual purity in the mental sense, not just the physical sense, but am I, are my thoughts sexually pure? Sex is good, but am I being... Am I respecting the covenant relationship that God has instituted for sex? He's talking about oaths or promises or swearing. I swear I'll do this or I swear I did that. He's talking about retaliation, not living for retaliation, giving to the poor, not treating them like they're less. He's telling the poor that now they are first. He's talking about having a prayer life. He's talking about appearances, not living for religious appearances, but having a true interior faith orientation where the reward is received in, in, in the hidden place between you and God, not about getting the respect and recognition of others. He's talking about laying up treasures in heaven and not living for material treasures. He's talking about anxieties and worrying and he ends all of that with this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built, or excuse me, it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. We've heard about this. We even sing worship songs about building our life on the rock. We, we've, 
We, we're familiar with this, but sometimes it's good to come back and to l- let that parable at the concluding end of the Sermon Mount remind yourself where it's been coming from. All these things that we mentioned, loving your enemies, uh, get, having a high respect for the institution of marriage, having uh, living to exalt those that have been neglected and that have been treated like they're less to live a life of prayer, to live a life that seeks the reward from the Father and not from appearances, a life that isn't worried. And so what I've been asking myself uh, since I've been dealing with physical and mental health issues in this year is how have I built my life that one, my physical health got to this point and two, my mental health got to this point? What did I build my life on? If I believe these things, yet my house is wavering and my house is starting to shake, what have I done? How have I built our life, or my life? How have we built our lives? So that's the first point today is how have we built our lives and testimonies? The fruit of our lives reveal the foundation of our lives. The fruit of our lives reveal the foundation of our lives. What have I built my life upon? See, something that I feel God has been speaking to me is that not just myself, but many Christians struggle with this. We bring Jesus into a template that has already been built of our lives, and we try to fit him wherever there's a crevice. And so we've got our patterns of our lives as parents, as spouses, as boyfriend and girlfriend, as students, as children, as adults, as members of this city or the larger uh, inland empire. We, we have these patterns in which we live, but we just, we, when we come to Jesus, we try to accommodate Jesus into wherever he fits in that. And that's a recipe for disaster because that's not a foundation on Jesus. That's me bringing Jesus onto my foundation. That's me bringing Jesus to see where he fits on my foundation. And so it requires us to really throw our pattern of living out, start from scratch, and then build my life around and through Jesus. That's what the discipleship call to us is. If we are to be disciples that call on Jesus, Lord, Lord, truly and authentically, meaning I am a disciple of Jesus, that I am establishing a pattern of living based on that template that is Godward, not a template that's mine, and then I fit Jesus in there. We've got to flip it around. We've got to totally reconsider and reshape, and that's something I've been doing in my life right now, I'm talking with my wife and talking with friends about, like, why are these patterns and things showing up in my life that aren't consistent with how I should be as a disciple? Why do I live a worrisome life? Why do I struggle to find time for the things I should find time for? See, something is wrong if what I'm trying to do is fit Jesus into those crevices and, and I work at a Christian university, mind you. And so I, I try to justify sometimes how much I'm devoted to my work. In my case, that's where I feel God is calling me the most is how much work has been my, my thing. 
it, it's consumed me to the point of exhaustion. And so I have to ask myself, wait a minute, if this is supposed to be God, uh, for God, what am I doing wrong? And so the solution that won't work is for me to say, well, I'm just going to adjust a few things. But hey, I'm still running out the door at, at 7 a.m. I'm still, uh, you know, eating while I'm <laughs> grading or I'm eating while I'm emailing or something like that. But something's wrong. Something's wrong if God is just making his way into these little crevices of my life. I've got to... I've got to have a pattern of life that reflects that my foundation is Jesus. <laughs> and what does that look like? It looks like in the Sermon of the Mount, if I pay attention to everything before he calls us to be founded on him, it looks like loving your enemies, a life built on prayer. Not prayer fitting into my life, but a life built on prayer. A life built on forgiveness and not retaliation. A life built on not working towards material ends, but working towards treasures in heaven. A life built up not for appearances, whether to my neighbor or on Instagram or on TikTok, whatever it is, but a life built in seeking the reward, seeking the reward from the Father in the hidden place. A life that isn't devoted to my marriage only when the time allows, but am I building my life to honor my marriage as a top priority? Am I building my life to be generous? Or do I, is my generosity basically what's left of my budget? Wait a minute, I gotta reconsider. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta reconsider. Is my budget built on Jesus or is Jesus fitting into my budget? You know, because we get into that rhythm of, let, let me just tithe, let me just tithe, let me just tithe. And I, man, that's, we're in a new covenant. We're supposed to be generous. How difficult is it for the rich to go to the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says. Jesus says why? Because the problem isn't the richness. The problem is the generosity. Do we, do we just check the box of, I tithed? Or I gave my, my, you know, my monthly offering. Or is my budget built on Jesus to be generous? To be generous. Is my life built for these things? Or am I just making space for Jesus wherever he fits? This is what I feel God is wrestling with me to, you know, take that Etch-a-Sketch. Some of you are too young for that. Take that Etch-a-Sketch. <laughs> Shake it. Start from scratch. You know, I, I, I can't try to fit God into my template. My template must be God-word. I've got I've to live my life through Jesus. I've got to live my life through Jesus. So, one thing to note. There are some commentators and some theologians that will say that in this passage on Luke 6... In this passage, and James, if you can show that passage again, I'd appreciate that. When it talks about the stream that broke against, or the flood that arises, the stream that breaks, some have concluded that this is likely referring to the day of judgment. Because, well, there's good reasons. I'm not, I'm not bashing those. There's good re reasons. And um, in one of the Corinthians letters, 
uh, Paul seems to use a similar analogy of what are you building your life into, and then he refers to the day of judgment. But while that's a good argument, it's not necessarily in keeping with the audience that Luke has in mind and how Luke is trying to make this accessible to everyone and how basically this feels coming out of a sermon on the mount geared towards establishing the kingdom of heaven. One more likely, for example, commentator uh, Wearsby, he says that likely this flood that arises in the stream is just life. It's the circumstances of life. When the circumstances of life come, what do they reveal? Does my house crumble? Thus revealing where my true foundation is. And so maybe this is about the judgment, but I think more generally speaking, this is just about how life tests our faith. Life tests our discipleship. Life will test it whether it's in financial struggles, whether it's in mourning, whether it's in the loss of a, of a family member, whether it's in my mental health, whether it's in my family dynamics, whether it's in uh, problems within my marriage, going through a divorce, whether, whatever it is, how I respond to those things reveals where my hope is placed, where my life is founded upon. So this passage that concludes the Sermon on the Mount is a lesson on building a resilient, abundant life. Not a trial-free passage. Not a trial-free life. This passage that concludes the Sermon on the Mount is a lesson on building a resilient, abundant life. Not a trial-free life. See, the water rises. The waters of chaos rise and they challenge what I've built my life upon. Jesus isn't saying there won't be waters. Jesus isn't saying there won't be trials. He's saying, how are you going to handle those trials? Where is your foundation? So we're not looking for a, a trial-free life. We're looking for resilience and abundance. Resilience and abundance. The kingdom of God, the Sermon on the Mount, what it reveals is... Jesus wants us to be true image bearers that bring life and live life abundantly, to love others the way he loves unconditionally, to be devoted to God in the intimacy of that relationship between father, son, father, daughter. That's what this is about. Can I build a resilient, abundant, life-giving? Do people receive life from me? When I interact with others, do they feel like they're getting blessed? Do they feel like they're getting life from me? And am I resilient? So resilience and abundance, despite the trial. Resilience and abundance, despite the trial. See, to further support this point, if my foundation is not right, the cares of daily life will choke the word out of you. If, if your foundation is not right, the cares of daily life will choke the word out of you. How I respond to the cares of life, in my case, my physical, mental health, and other things that have happened in my life, how I respond to that will reveal if I'm saturated in God or if God just makes it into the little gaps that I have. It reveals that. 
Matthew 13. I'm going to read two parts of Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9, and then 22 through 23, where he explains the particular passage of the parable of the sower that I'm, that I'm fixating on. So he's going, to, he's going to talk to us about the parable of the sower, and he says, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, this is Jesus speaking, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns. This is where we're emphasizing. And the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. This would be the equivalent of having Jesus as your foundation. He who has ears, let him hear. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears. This is when he's explaining to his disciples the meaning of the passage in verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the one, the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. Talks about the riches. Do I live for generosity or do I live for material wealth? Do I live do I live for self or for others? Do I live a Godward life? Notice here it says the one who hears but the cares of the world, anxiety, right? Anxiety is in the sermon of the mount. That is there as well. So I feel like this connects at least this particular aspect of the parable of the uh, sower, this particular aspect fits into our understanding of the foundation. Those rivers that rise, that flood that comes to challenge our house, they could be the cares of the world, they could be anxiety, they could be trials, and how I respond reveals whether or not I let the word take root. Is my foundation Jesus? As for what was sown in, on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. Another thing that Jesus talks about in the Sermon of the Mount, being a tree that is good and bears fruit. See, point number four, living the joy and resilient life of a disciple requires starting from scratch with God. We can't fit God into our lives. Our lives must fit into a God-word life. We've got to start the template from scratch. We have to. Otherwise, you'll feel like me, who often I feel like I'm stuck on a rut, always trying to catch up. I always feel like every week, this week I'm going to work a little harder and I'm going to catch up with everything. That's been going on for 10 years now. <laughs> but I'm going to catch up next week. I'm going to make more time to see my family. Uh, same thing. It's been ten, <laughs> since I moved from Puerto Rico, 2007. It's been since 2007. So if, if I know change is required, but I keep yielding the same thing, that means I'm trying to fit God and a disciple life into my life and not the other way around. You know, something I learned in being married to a physician, a doctor, when, I, when Katya and I 
got married. I remember this was year one. She sent me to the grocery store to get food. Yeah, go, go get some food. We're low on groceries. And I came back with a big bag of Lay's barbecue potato chips, Dr. Pepper, and cereal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had some sinker bars and stuff. And she, like, she's also a health nut. Back, back, back then, she was a med school student, okay? And she already knew, like, what are you doing? And so, now here's the thing. Like, I still know I need to eat healthy, but if in my house what I buy doesn't allow me to choose well, I'm going to choose wrong every day. I'm going to choose wrong every day. And so I realized I needed to start. The problem was my template. It's like what I'm buying. If I keep buying double-stuffed Oreo cookies I love, like, that's going to that's gonna show. <laughs> it's going to show. And so I need to, like, I need to change what I shop for. You know, and so when I think about how my life is in a constant rut and doesn't change, it means that I'm still sticking to the same, same template and trying to make that template work. Nope. You got to throw it out. You got to change it completely. And so Katya taught me we don't buy sweets because I am a sweet tooth. I love it. We don't buy sweets. And so the template was thrown out. And so that's just one example. But whatever it is, generous living, being healthy, being more prayerful, being more loving, being more devoted to your marriage life, whatever it is, you got to look at the template, not try to fix little cracks as they start to appear in your house. So again, living the joy and resilient life of a disciple requires starting from scratch with God. We can't fit God into our lives. Our daily lives must fit into a Godward template, a Godward life. In chapter 13, Matthew says, Matthew 13, verses 45 through 46, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. That's starting from scratch, right? That's what the good news should cause in us, <laughs> is that we, I'm not just going to fit Jesus, I'm going to change everything. I'm, I'm getting rid of everything starting, let me start from scratch. In Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 23, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, this is before Jesus, and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. There he is. That's his template. And Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. So again, what is my idol? In this case, it was riches. But what is my idol? In my case, it's work. And I'm wrestling with that. It's work. 
What's your idol? We all have it, and we're all going to have a lifetime of struggle with it, but we got to start from scratch. We got to throw it all out. We got to build our lives around Jesus, not Jesus into what I have of a life, what I have of a life that's not a kingdom life. The foundation of our lives must be Jesus. The foundation of our lives must be Jesus. How can I accomplish everything that he encourages me to do in the Sermon on the Mount? These are things that are they're qualities. They're not just actions. They're qualities of heart. Well, Jesus tells us in John 15, he has to be the foundation. You have to abide in him. In John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the foundation. You have to have a template life that abides in Jesus and that seeks to find Jesus in others. So for me to do that, I've got to build my life on an abiding principle, not abide when I have time. It's not I abide in Jesus when things are going okay or when time allows. I've got to, I've got to start from scratch. I've got to start from scratch. Tish Harrison Warren, who is an Anglican priest uh, in, in the North American Anglican Church, uh, she, th- she talks about the struggle that Christians have between orthopraxy and orthodoxy. Ortho is right. So right belief is orthodoxy, and orthopraxy is right practice. Christians struggle with this consistently. Here's what I believe, and here's how I act. Here's how I believe, and here's how I act. Orthopraxy and orthodoxy. And she says the solution is orthopathy, right feelings. Right emotions and affections towards God and others. I will not connect orthodoxy and orthopraxy, right belief and right action, until I have a right interior life. Orthopathy. Having my affections devoted to God and to others. Now, make no mistake, that doesn't mean only do the right thing when you feel like it. No, Because in the Old Testament, the purpose of the Torah or of the law, as Tim Mackey, who is a PhD in Jewish studies, co-founder of the Bible Project, as he says, the purpose of the Torah, of the law, was to shape your heart. Not to get you right with God, but to shape your character. And so, I embrace right practice, orthopraxy, as a form of of orthopathy as a form of shaping my interior world but i've but i got to go deeper than that that's all i'm saying i'm not saying don't wait or i'm not saying wait to feel like doing it for you to do the right thing i'm saying yes continue to walk in faith and obey when you sometimes don't feel like it yes do that but also go deeper and abide in him abide in jesus cultivate your affections for Jesus. Cultivate that. And when you walk and don't feel it, and you're walking in obedience, 
Keep in mind you are cultivating right emotions and right desires towards God. And we can do that by starting from scratch. Is my life built around prayer or does prayer have to fit in my life schedule? Is my life or is my marriage built into my life or is my life built template-wise to live a devoted marriage life? Again, is my generosity something that fits on my budget? And it's just set it's there, the set automatic withdrawal every month or whatever. That's good, but God wants more. He wants generosity. Or do I build my budget around generosity? Do I live for appearances or for being rewarded by God in the intimacy of that father-son, father-daughter interaction that can cry out, Abba, Father, that can say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Am I, which one am I doing? Do I live to forgive or is forgiveness something that, hey man, you come to me. You want me to forgive you? You got to come beg first. How do we live? What is the pattern of our life? I struggle with a lot of these, but I realize that God is calling me to, again, clean the template, start from scratch. And I feel like that's true for all of us. It's a constant dialogue with God, and it's a constant reshaping of that template. We don't get it right on day one, and we have to revisit it consistently. As the worship team comes back, as Freddie and Jessica come back, we have to ask ourselves, we have to ask, is our life built on Jesus or do I make space for Jesus where he fits? Is the foundation of my life him? How does my reaction to the floodwaters reveal where my life is founded? How does my reaction to being stuck in a rut whether it is with any of the things that we've mentioned and trying to get that change to happen but not happen, how does, how does that reveal where my, my foundation is? See, the, the good news is that Jesus isn't sitting angry waiting for us to get this right. He's inviting us, he's inviting us to build a life patterned after him. He's inviting us to found our lives on him, to abide in him. So as we, we now take some time to pray, I want to leave a few seconds of silence. I'll start a prayer, leave a few seconds of silence for you to meditate. Then I'll end the prayer and, the, and, and Jess will take it away. So let's pray. Father, search my thoughts, search my heart, reveal any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, allow me to see, open my eyes to see, where do I need to reshape the template of my life? 
Where are my foundations, not you? And so now I take a moment of silence to allow God to speak to me, to reveal lovingly, like a surgeon, reveal in me where the foundations are not him. Father, we want to correct those foundations, not by our own efforts, but by your empowering Holy Spirit. Wherever it is, wherever that foundation is lacking you, we ask you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to step in, renew that foundation in you, Show me how to do that. Show us to build a life on you and to then make our lives work around that. As adults, as youth, as children, as parents, as spouses, as workers, as stay-at-home spouses, stay-at-home husband, stay-at-home wife, whichever it is, or both working, reveal how we can build a life founded on you. My parenting, my budget, my thoughts, show us to build a life on you. We ask for your cleansing blood. We ask for forgiveness because your cleansing blood, it cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And we are new, washed clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Restore a right spirit within me. Give me right affections towards you. Allow me to be joyous in you, to live for you and for your joy and for your life-giving abundance. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.